0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaVerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaVerge on Faith Radio.
0: Well, good morning again. Welcome to Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and you are listening on the Faith Radio Network, even if you're listening on the Faith Radio app or online at myfaithradio.com. So thank you so much for sharing this ministry with others. Um, be a Be a missionary of the ministry by sharing what you enjoy and things that feed your soul. Share them with others whose souls need feeding as well. So where in the Word are you today? and what's on your to-do list where in the word are you today and what's on your to-do list i'm uh, thinking here about conversations we've had recently with jeff uh, christofferson and his um novel once you see and you know in that conversation we're talking about it it's not just about giving intellectual assent to the reality that jesus is the son of god or giving intellectual assent To the reality that Jesus rose from the dead. It is about doing what God has told us to do, what God leads us to do in Christ Jesus, uh, actually allowing, participating actively with, submitting to, yielding to the active work of the Holy Spirit, bringing us by his transformative power, by one degree of glory to another, more into the likeness of Christ. It's not just about intellectual ascent. Believing the Bible is to live as if the things God has instructed us to do in the Bible are actually like marching orders as we walk our faith out into the world that God so loves. And so, where in the word are you today, and what's on your to-do list? I'm going to read Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That would be to-do number one. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. That would be to-do number two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Again, we're looking for a to-do list here. If prophecy in proportion to faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be be patient in tribulation or suffering. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Beloved, never avenge yourself. Leave it to the wrath of God. God has written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. My friend, that's Romans 12. Where in the word are you today? And what's on your to-do list? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to be joined next by Dr. Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We're going to apply the mind of Christ to some of the medical headlines of the day. Dr. Jeff Barrows is joining us now from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Good morning, Dr. Barrows.
1: Good morning, Carmen. How are you this morning?
0: I am well. I am well. Um, Bring us up to date on what is happening in California in relationship to um, doctors who are people of religious faith.
1: Well, this is a a great victory not only for CMDA members but really for all healthcare professionals that practice or seek to practice conscientious medicine. Back in 2016, uh, California passed its assisted suicide law, and initially they didn't uh, try to impinge on any healthcare professionals' conscientious freedoms. Uh, But when they updated the law in 2021, unfortunately, they made significant changes. That began to do that. For instance, uh, they changed the waiting period uh, for somebody who was requesting assisted suicide from 15 days down to only 48 hours. And the most egregious change they made was they began requiring all healthcare professionals, regardless of their religious or conscientious beliefs, that if a patient came into their office and said, I would like to sign up for assisted suicide. They had to make that documentation in the medical record. And clearly, that's a form of participation in uh, Mm. assisted suicide. And so this was really uh, a a clear warning to us at CMDA, because we oppose assisted suicide for lots of reasons. As Christians, we believe that all humans are created in the image of God, and only God can decide when a life should end. We can't we can't take that on ourselves and decide we're going to shorten a life. It, it, uh, it damages our conscience. It also damages the healthcare profession itself. So fortunately, with the help of Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, ADF, in february of this past year 2022 we were able to file a lawsuit against the state uh on the grounds that this impinged on our first amendment rights and we we were joined with one of our members dr leslie cochran who practices palliative care in california and uh, fortunately, in last September, uh the Federal District Court of Central California ruled that, in fact, this new law did impinge on our First Amendment rights. So what ended up happening is the state of California uh sp- began to recognize they were going to likely lose the case. And so they decided to settle out of court, and I think the good news for all of uh, uh, any any conscientious healthcare professionals in California is that uh, they have agreed not to enforce any criminal or civil punishment. Uh, for a healthcare professional's uh, in California, refusal to document any request for assisted suicide or to refer to anybody else uh, that might engage in assisted suicide. So, clear victory not only for our members but for all conscientious and religious healthcare professionals in the state of California.
0: Yeah, and um, so those of you who are listening and you're thinking to yourself, <laughs> "Hey, my state has assisted suicide laws. Um, I don't really know what the end of life um, options." act equivalents are from the state of California to my own state, that is definitely worth checking out. Um, and then finding out what kinds of restrictions, if any, are placed upon um, pro-life religious doctors in your state in relationship to the participation in assisted suicide. This obviously has um, a relationship to and with um, doctors and other health care providers who have been forced to participate in abortions over the course of time. Um, and um, and so we we want to continue to support the work of CMDA, um, which is critical on not only these two fronts but so many others. We're going to be back in just a moment with Dr. Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We're going to talk about um, how AI might be able to predict a um, a particularly deadly form of cancer. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand, no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Dr. Jeff Barrows is here with us from the Christian Medical Journal Association. You can find them and connect with them at cmda.org. Jeff, what do we know about um, the growing capabilities and abilities of AI, particularly when it comes to predictive medicine?
1: Yeah, I know that uh, artificial intelligence has been in the news a lot. There's a lot of controversy around it, and I certainly am not an expert at all in AI. But I hope that we are able to successfully kind of Uh, border off and control AI, because there are so many ways that it can be used specifically in medicine. And there was a study, for instance, that looked at trying to find ways to make a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer earlier in the course of the disease, because that's one of the problems. It's usually and typically diagnosed at stage four, and there's uh, a very low likelihood of success, and I know many of your listeners are like me mourning the loss of Tim Keller this past week who mm-hmm. who unfortunately died from pancreatic cancer. but this particular study used AI to analyze the records of nine million people in both Denmark and in the United States, and they found about twenty eight thousand cases and What the uh, researchers did is they programmed the AI to look. For a pattern of diagnoses that were made years before the actual diagnosis of the pancreatic cancer. And they had some success. They found that there was this beginning picture that began to develop with uh, patients having things like acute pancreatitis, other diseases of what we call the biliary tract, which is like the gallbladder. other diseases the pancreas and, and even diabetes and i don't want i don't want your listeners to suddenly think oh i've got diabetes i'm at risk of pancreatic cancer no that's not the case here what's really they're trying to do is put together an overall picture what are the multiple medical problems that someone may go through that puts them into a high-risk category that that they may develop pancreatic cancer? And if we can uh, successfully identify those patients, then we can screen for the disease. So these initial results are are, are promising. Uh, a lot of research yet to be be done. So we know that the best bet for reducing the mortality of pan uh, can, I'm sorry pancreatic cancer is finding a way to make an earlier diagnosis and so lord willing in the future we'll be able to do that and and save people that are suffering from this terrible cancer
0: yeah let's not skip our cancer screenings um if you're listening right now like if you haven't <clears throat> been screened for whatever you're needing to be screened for please uh please be doing that tending to the body is important the body does matter um Let's uh, move from artificial intelligence to artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. Did you like that segue, Jeff?
1: I I did. Very, very good. You must be a pro at this. (laughs) So if your listeners are like me, I I have a sweet tooth and I readily admit it. So when I saw this, I I thought, oh, this is not good. The World Health Organization has been looking closely at systematic reviews of evidence uh, with what they call non-sugar sweeteners. And uh, what they have found is that there's increasing evidence that there are some harms that come from using these over a long term. I want to make that clear. It's not short term use, it's long term use, over many, many years. And what they're beginning to see is increasing evidence show that it might be tied into the development of type 2 diabetes or cardiovascular diseases like stroke or heart attack, and even early deaths. And unfortunately, it seems to include all of these artificial sweeteners like aspartame, which is found in NutraSweet, equal, saccharin and sweet and low, sucralose, which is found in lots of diet sodas. So unfortunately, it's not good news. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. Again, this is long-term use, not short-term use. And they want to make clear that people who have pre-existing diabetes should continue to use these sweeteners because it's better to get good diabetic control than than uh, take any uh, chances with it. So, uh, the bottom line for this is that there may be a growing connection between artificial sweeteners and several negative consequences. So here's what I'm doing. I'm going to slowly change my habit. I'm not going to do it all at once. I'm going to begin reducing the amount of sweeteners that I use. For instance, in my coffee creamer, I'm going to begin using small amounts of sugar, which is actually being put back into a lot of products by manufacturers. And uh, I would suggest your listeners slowly do the same, especially if they don't have any existing diabetes now. And just just change their habits slowly over time so that they begin to move away from the use of artificial sweeteners.
0: I'm a big advocate for honey. So there you go. Because I'm pro-B. So yes. Yeah. Um, honey, maple, a, a maple syrup. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I, I'm a fan of Canada, so maple syrup. Um, okay. Um, marijuana has been linked to teen depression. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by this. Um, but it's always helpful for us to be up to date on um, on what is happening not only in youth culture, um, but what might be contributing to the just astronomical rise, not only in teen depression, but anxiety and suicide ideation. So what's the link between marijuana and teen depression?
1: Well, you're exactly right. I mean, anybody that's been watching the news lately knows that we're dealing with a mental health crisis in this country, and especially among the young. And one of the things that we're unfortunately seeing at CMDA is that more and more states are legalizing marijuana. 22 states now and the, and the District of Columbia have legalized marijuana. And so a lot of people that aren't, aren't really up to date on this might conclude, well, it's relatively harmless. But this is a new study that was out of Columbia University that looked at periodic marijuana use. So they specifically took out people who were using it on a regular basis focus their attention on adolescents between 12 and 17. And what they found is that even with intermittent periodic use among those adolescents, their risk of major depression and suicidal ideation was increased by two to three times over non-users. So there is an impact, a negative impact. It slows their thoughts. It makes it difficult to concentrate. They have a greater chance of getting into a fight because they're more aggressive and and their, their grades fall. So the takeaway message is if you live in a state that's considering legalizing marijuana, please contact your state legislator. Fight this. You need to protect your children because even the periodic use of marijuana has significant negative consequences for as long as 30 days. After that use, if you happen to live in a state where it's legal, uh, talk to your kids. If you've got adolescents even as young as, as grade school that they need to be aware that uh, marijuana is harmful even with periodic use, so we have to we have to do what we can to protect our children.
0: All right, Jeff, and I know it's gonna sound a little bit like a PSA, but um, I do feel like this next story is something we should at least read people in on. A fourth person has died from an infection arising from contaminated eye drops. So can you read us in on this?
1: Yeah, this is a tragic story. Uh, It began earlier this year. Multiple patients began having eye infections after using one over-the-counter product, and that's Care artificial tears the cdc shortly uh, after that began documenting the infections as well as one death and they issued a warning uh and it should have been taken off uh the counter but it still has continued to spread they've actually found a particular bacteria in this Uh, in this over-the-counter drug, uh, not drug, but um, eye product. And it has, uh, it's a a bacteria that causes very severe infections. It's very resistant to certain antibiotics. So a very serious problem. There have been now four deaths. It's spread into 18 states. So please do not use EzraCare or any Delsim Pharma artificial your products.
0: All right. So yeah, go check your, um, you know, go check your medicine cabinet uh, while we take a very, very brief break. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. As always, you guys can get resources necessary for the living of these days as medical and dental health care professionals at cmda.org. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right. I know if you're paying attention to what's going on in the United States of America, you are wondering, has an agreement been reached on the debt ceiling? No, there's no debt ceiling deal yet, but um, I feel quite confident that before the June 1 deadline, even though the Senate needs 72 hours of in-session time to deal with it and Memorial Day weekend is upon us, um, I'm still confident that the debt ceiling will be raised. A deal will be struck. Uh, the United States is not going to go into default. Um, but they don't have a debt ceiling deal yet. There is a deal, though, a breakthrough deal that has been struck that is important to many, many um, Americans. The states of Arizona, California, and Nevada have agreed to take less water from the um, very strained Colorado River. So we talked about this a few months ago, that there w- there was this critical point being reached where if these states did not come to an agreement, cities like Phoenix and L.A. were going to find themselves um, without water. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the, the agreement has been reached. Some of America's most productive farmland is in this region. And so uh, the agreement, which was announced on Monday calls for the federal government to pay about $1.2 billion in irrigation or two irrigation districts um, to cities and to Native American tribes in the three states if they temporarily use less water. And so um, they have all agreed to restrict their water use um, and make additional cuts beyond the ones that are tied to the federal uh, payments. They're trying to... um, generate a total reduction in order that they can prevent the collapse of, uh, you know, of this essential water resource to the southwestern portion of the United States. So it's a it's a it's a very, very important deal. And um, I wanted to make you aware of it today. Um, Okay, let me ask this. In what are you rooted? In what are you rooted? And in what are you rooting your parenting or your grandparenting? I mean, are you just sort of, you know, flailing about or are you actually rooted in something? When was the last time you led your children or your grandchildren outside to just walk around and wonder? Do you lead them in wondering as you wander with them? What might that look like as a way of parenting or a way of grandparenting? Aaron Lyman joins us next. We're going to talk about what it means and what it looks like to be rooted in wonder. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is going to be a fun conversation. Erin Lynham is a certified master naturalist. She's also a Bible teacher and um, she's homeschooled her kids she uh, offers up today um, her brand new book, Rooted in Wonder, Nurturing Your Family's Faith Through God's Creation. And really, uh, it is the, the way Erin leads her own life and leads her own children. Erin, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Thanks
2: so much for having me this morning.
0: Oh, it's, it's a real joy. Talk with us about w- what does it mean to be a master naturalist? That sounds like a cool thing.
2: Yeah, I I think it is. I love being a master naturalist. This means that I have been trained in all these different areas of nature study, whether it be birds or insects or ecosystems and animals, and really how to present this information to the public. And so I'm able to create curriculums and courses and go out and teach community programs, but also teach, obviously, in my book and podcast and really take nature to present Um, life lessons and truth.
0: So one of my favorite things about Rooted in Wonder um, is that each chapter has this step outside section. And in in the very first chapter, when we step outside, you know, I'm just going to scroll all the way to the end of the step outside, and it's about taking my children outside and asking them to choose something natural they see, could be anything, and then ask the following questions. What do you think God was thinking about when he created this? What strengths did God give it? And what details about God does it reflect? Um, that's a, those are revelation questions. Those are creation questions. Um, those are the sovereignty and providence of God questions without using those big theological words. Talk with us about the connection between this approach to rooting our kids and their understanding of God in the natural world.
2: Yeah, we can really take these simple activities and like you said, make it accessible to our kids. That's really what I wanted to do in this book is take this area of natural theology, and that is seeing God through what he has made. We get that from Romans one twenty that God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So taking this idea of discovering God through His creation, a lot like how you know you can look at a piece of art and gain some information about the artist, and making that accessible to our kids. So using an activity like that and this language of. Yeah, look look at that bird. What do you think God was thinking when he made that? Or what does this flower reflect about God's beauty and wisdom? That really reconnects those dots between creation and creator. In a society that is working so hard to sever that, that connection, we can use language and these experiences outside to help our kids see that behind nature, behind science is intelligence and design and artistry.
0: So we have um, the privilege of having a fairly large piece of property on which my husband has built. Depending on who you are, it is either a three-story um, hunting uh, building or it is a 360-degree wildlife observation deck. Depending, you yes. know, depending on who you are, right? And the and the grandkids think it's just a fort, but we sat in it last night to watch the sunset. And then we stayed there until it got really, really dark. And there were so many fireflies. And it was really dark last night because it was a new moon. And so it was so many fireflies. And we just reveled in it. We just reveled. And part of what I was thinking about as I was sitting there was, you know, Aaron would love this. And I feel like, you know, Aaron would be talking about letting our little light so shine before others that, you know, people would see us and they would reflect on the glo- the goodness and the glory of God. Talk with us about using nature and what's happening in the natural world um, when it comes to teaching eternal truths. Because one of the things that I appreciate about you is you are concerned that our kids would understand and appreciate absolute truths in a society that is so prone to relativism.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, you're right. I would love that. That sounds incredible to sit up there and watch the fireflies. I'm from the Midwest originally, and so fireflies are a special thing in my heart. I actually talk about those in the book as a Hebron experience. And that goes back to Genesis fifteen, where God is giving Abram this promise of of descendants and legacy. And what does God do when he's giving that promise? The story starts, it says, God took Abram outside. And I love that. I love that as the starting point that we as parents can take also, that we can take our children or your grandchildren outside. And then God anchored that promise in a visual in nature. He used the stars. And we read that that was enough for Abram, that he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So just like you watching those fireflies last night, and I've had those own experiences, those profound experiences in nature that we can give our kids those memories and anchor biblical truth into them. And then like you said, to show them absolute truth. This society is telling our kids that truth is fluid and flexible. And that just like a rubber band, we can stretch it to fit whatever we want or constrict it to remove anything that's uncomfortable to us. But nature defies this. Like George Orwell in his classic novel 1984 wrote, the solid world exists. Its laws do not change. Stones are hard and water is wet. And so, as we take our kids outside, they are encountering these natural laws that God put in place that we need to cooperate with. Like, I share the story of my family and I. I have um, my husband and I have three boys and a little girl. And we were out exploring Rocky Mountain National Park, which is um, pretty close to where we live. And we're exploring this lake we've been to many times before. And my husband took the boys ahead to the lake to go fishing. And my daughter and I hung back to play by the creek. And eventually we went to rejoin them. And we walked into this wild scene. And I see this mama moose with her calf really close to my husband and boys. And my husband explained to me what had happened a moment before we, my daughter and I joined them. Was that the boys were fishing in the lake. And this calf yearling moose comes running out of the woods towards them. And so my husband, he grew up in the wild and with wildlife and he knew what to do. He got the boys out of this calf moose's trajectory, but he also knew that by the age of this moose, mama was around. And so my husband is scanning the forest and sure enough, this huge mama moose comes storming out of the woods, her ears pinned back. She is marching down the trail toward them. So my husband quickly got the boys safely away from her. But, you know, these experiences, and that's not our only moose encounter. We've had encounters with moose and mountain lions and bears. They remind me time and time again that we don't get to tell nature what to do. God has put these natural laws in place. These animals have instincts. I don't get to project on that mama moose. You're a kind moose. You're not going to hurt my family. No, she's going to do what she's going to do. And so that's a big example, but even small examples when our kids are out encountering the woods and the rivers, and the mountains, and when they see these things, they see, okay, God has designed things a certain way, and we can thrive when we live within those God-given limits and boundaries and designs.
0: All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Erin Lynham. You can find her, the book, and lots of parenting resources at Erin Lynham, L-Y-N-U-M, Com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to continue our conversation about being rooted in wonder. Can you have a deepening appreciation for creation without worshiping it? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. We're continuing our conversation with Erin Lynham. The book is Rooted in Wonder, Nurturing Your Family's Faith Through God's Creation. You can find Erin, the book, and lots of resources, including her podcast and tons of materials um, for you as parents and grandparents. Erin, E-R-Y-N, Lynham, L-Y-N-U-M dot com. Um, This would be a great name if you were doing names in um, Scrabble because you can use both Y's. I'm just saying, it's just a good name, Erin. That's that's the great. Way I've never thought about that.
2: Thank you. Well, there you go. I didn't yeah. even plan that. You know, when I found a husband with that name, I was like, yeah, that'll work. That'll work.
0: <laughs> it's good. It's good for my. It's good for my uh, personal scrabbling. Okay, um, talk with us about developing, helping our children develop an appreciation for creation and worshiping the Creator, because there's so much temptation in the culture today to worship creation instead of the Creator.
2: There definitely is. Yeah, I live in Colorado, and it's a very nature-esque place to live. And you see a lot of that, a lot of worshiping the creation rather than creator. And I think that that's one of Satan's deceptions and way of just leading people away from God. You know, we see this sharp return to the earth, like people, you see these nature schools and the simplistic way of living and even like in the movement or, of organic foods and things like all of these are, can be good. But what Satan is doing is he always takes this element of truth. He takes something that is true and then he skews it and he injects his lies. And so what we see him doing is really taking this good thing, creation, which God has made and causing people to narrow in on just nature instead of seeing that direct connection to God. And of course, like this is historical. We see this in Romans one, where the people, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And so we can give our kids this resilient and robust and mature faith. You know, it's it's always essential. It's primary to lead our kids to scripture. That's God's primary revelation to us of who he is. But then we can also pair that with time in nature and using language like talking with our kids about nature as creation and helping them to see God as the artist and the architect and the inventor and really just reconnecting those dots between creation and creator and always pointing them back to a worshipful stance. Like we see in Psalms that the heavens declare the glory of God. And so always leading our kids when we're outside to that worshipful attitude to say, yeah, yeah, we can worship God because he has made these things so good and he has made us so good.
0: Talk with us about what it means to um, have a peace plan and how we might make one.
2: Man, growing up in this world, there is such a lack of peace. And we see that, of course, increasingly in the past few years and parenting kids now in this world. It is countercultural to raise our kids in peace, you know, but it's also biblical. God talks about making this plan for peace in the Proverbs. And so really taking that countercultural approach to it and identifying the things in our lives and our homes and our families that are stealing our peace, Mm -hmm. I call these the peace thieves, like a robber, those things that just come and upturn our peace. And whether that, you know, for my own family, that's really been just this rush. Society tells us just go, 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 do, perform, do more, get more, and really just rejecting that and instead inviting into our home. Like We've done it through Sabbath rest that every Saturday mm. we stay home and rest together as a family. We play games and read books and go outside and we just spend the sweet, no screen time together. And it's countercultural, but identifying, okay, what is stealing peace in our family? And once you do that, once you put a name to those things that are stealing peace, that's when you can create this peace plan and these strategies to one by one, slowly by slowly, change by change, bring in that biblical God given peace into your family and home.
1: Mm,
0: it's so good. Um, Sowing peace is just an essential part of of all of this. So thank you for that as well. Um, when um, when you talk about being rooted in wonder, talk with us about wonder itself um, and how we can cultivate children who are wonderful, full of wonder. Um, what does it look like to orchestrate uh, orchestrate that
2: in in our shared life with our kids? I believe wonder is God-given. I think this is what the scriptures are talking about when it talks about a childlike faith. And of course, childlike mm-hmm. is very different from childish. Childish is this immaturity that ideally we grow out of, childlike is this sense of wonder and god-given curiosity that compel us in this pursuit of who he is and i believe all of us are born with this wonder and somewhere along the line like this was true for me that wonder decays And for me, thankfully, my kids really reawakened this sense of wonder in me as I saw them going outside and connecting with God through nature and having these experiences I wanted the same. And so they really fueled that and reawakened that in me. And so I talk in the book about the importance of being a wonder conservationist. A conservationist, of course, being someone who protects and guards and nurtures something. We hear that a lot about the environment and conserving what we see in nature. That's important. Like nature is evidence for God. And so it's important that we conserve what he has made. We are called to be stewards of it. But also, I think equally important is conserving this. God-given sense of wonder so that our kids and the next generation care about what God has made, that they are going out and seeing and seeking these evidences for their creator.
0: I love that. Um, Be a wonder conservationist. Um, Again, um, Aaron, one of the things that delights me about the book, Rooted in Wonder, um, is the way you invite us to step outside. So maybe just give us some stepping out ideas for today. What is, you know, what is one practical way we can step outside today with our children or grandchildren um, to lead them
2: to be rooted in wonder? This step outside section, it was such an important part of the book to end each chapter with this, because we can talk all day about why it's important to teach theology and who God is through nature, but then there has to be the how and so in it I I included two parts and that is seeing nature in the Bible. And that's a short devotional or Bible study you can do with your child to really explore the ways that God and Jesus used nature in their teachings. And then the second part is see God in nature. And this is what you're talking about, those activities where you can really go outside today and start doing this. And one I really love is going on a scavenger hunt for new life, especially this time of year. There is new life abounding. And so I love taking my kids outside and going on this scavenger hunt, looking for these hints of new life, whether it is bud opening up on the trees or birds building their nests or new sprouts coming up from the earth, pointing our kids to those and talking about God as the bringer of new life, that after hard seasons, after winter, God is constantly working toward bringing new life. And just what that speaks to a child's soul, what that speaks to our own souls, that when we are facing these difficult seasons, we can always trust in a God who is making all things new.
0: Mm, it's so good. It's so good. It's so much fun. You're just a delight. The book is Rooted in Wonder, Nurturing Your Family's Faith Through God's Creation. You can connect with Erin at her website. Lots of great resources. She's got a podcast. She's got a uh, social media presence. Erin Linum, E-R-Y-N-L-Y-N-U-M, Erin Lynham.com. Erin, thank you so much for joining us. What a delight. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Yes, it is Taste and See Tuesday. So here is going to be my little wordplay for the day. On this Taste and See Tuesday, Tasty Tuesday, as I like to think of it, since we're talking about being rooted in wonder, I want you to uh, get some root vegetables together and do, do something with them. Potatoes, carrots, beets, turnips, parsnips, onions, shallots, radishes, sweet potatoes. Like, get some root vegetables together today and talk about being rooted, rooted and grounded in love. Talking about... Um, where you are rooted, where God has rooted you. Maybe God has uprooted you. Maybe God wants you to be re-rooted and to put down new roots in a new place among a new people. Could you um, be rooted today in the Word of God? How has the Word of God taken root in you? Are you sowing peace? Are you sowing the Word of God into the world that He so loves, scattering the seed of His Word into the world? What kind of rooted vegetable is that going to produce? Um, in, my, um, in my cooking, <clears throat> my family knows this. It's actually printed on an apron. One of my kids gave me last Christmas. Uh, everything good starts with an onion. Everything good starts with an onion in terms of the savory dishes that we make in our house. Um, what could you make with root vegetables today? Parr- uh, potatoes, carrots, beets, turnips, parsnips, onions, shallots, radishes, sweet potatoes. What could you go out there and root up today um, and use to talk about being rooted in wonder and rooted and grounded in love and rooted in the Word of God and deeply rooted in community and how God's Word has taken root in you and is growing up and growing out and producing fruits of righteousness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. What are the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life. What are your root vegetables or your rooted fruits? Mm -hmm. I wonder. Let's be filled with wonder today. It's a wonderful day. Let's go out and wonder around in it. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support.